Good morning, church. So good to see you on this Sunday morning. I'm so glad to be with you, see your shining faces out there. And I have to tell you, I am super, super excited this morning. First of all, to be here with you and deliver God's message, but also because we're on the brink of Vacation Bible School starting tonight uh, for the evening session and then tomorrow for the day sessions. I've got my T-shirt on. I'm ready. Are y'all ready? Yoo-hoo! Absolutely. We've got lots of children coming. And when I um, decided that I was going to do what I was going to do this year, I'm going to work with the preschool for story time and also a crew leader in the afternoon. I got my shirt and Miss Helen Corley, who's a member here, and she's the one that makes the banners. You've probably seen them for our confirmands. She puts all the names on them. She's a beautiful artisan with anything that's material. And she said, Pastor Faye, you need some bling on your t-shirt. And I said, well, Helen, you go for it. So she puts some of this glitter glue on the front and on the back of my shirt. And I'm so excited to have it. And I told her, I said, Miss Helen, you know, when you get as old as I am, you have to work twice as hard to look half as good. So you put plenty of bling on there for me, okay? And she did, but it's really and truly going to be a fun, fun week, and I'm so excited to be a part of it. Now, our theme for this week is Created by God, Built for a purpose. And as I began to muse over and think about the message for today, I decided on Psalm 139, of course, and that's what you just heard, portions of that beautiful psalm anyway. And I got to thinking, what can I use as an illustration for folks, everyday illustration that might help us come a tiny bit to terms with who God is as a creator and us as his creation for a purpose. And what I settled on was going to to talk to two men in our congregation. First is Larry Griffin. His wife, Gloria, sings in the choir, and he does too. And the other one is Clarence Wise, and he and his wife, Doris, are just precious people. Both of these men are artisans. And they create beautiful furniture. And also, Clarence does yard art as well. And so I thought about them as being an artisan, creating beautiful furniture for a purpose. So I said, we'll we'll use that as an opening illustration to kind of, I don't know, get some sense of what God might be like anyway by using everyday language. So I've got a couple of pictures that I'd like us to to look at. The first one is of some lumber. This is out of Larry uh, Griffin's shop, some lumber of different shades. These are raw materials that Larry would use to begin with to build something. And then next slide, we have their workshops. We have the workshop for Larry and also for Clarence, and there's where all the nails and the wood, and you can see now the saws where they begin to cut the wood and shape the wood into what it's going to become for purpose. And then the next slides will actually begin to show you the finished product. This is one of Clarence's yard 
art pieces, and he already has a huge order already for this coming Christmas. It's a manger scene, and that one's ready to be painted or stained or however it would look. And what a beautiful testimony out in someone's yard of Jesus's birth, and he has a part in that by creating these. And then we've got some pictures of their beautiful furniture. This one is Larry Griffin's creation. And it's in a bedroom setting, and its purpose is to hold clothes and jewelry and that sort of thing. And then the next picture is from Clarence's house, and this is an entertainment center. And it also houses on shelves some trucks and things from his days when he was with a trucking company. Very, very beautiful pieces of furniture. And there were other pieces that I could have shown you, but that gives you the sense of what these men do. They take it very seriously. It takes them long hours to create these beautiful pieces. They do it with precision, with love, with care, so that it, when it's completed, it's beautiful and it also has a purpose. Now, the children's first day of vacation Bible school will be tonight and also beginning in the morning and tomorrow afternoon. And they're actually going to be learning from Psalm 139 that they are beautifully and wonderfully made by God. And what I wanted to do is spend a few minutes with you actually walking through this psalm. We don't have a long time, but to give us a sense of who God is, how he knows us, how he's created us for a purpose. So if you have your Bibles, I would ask you, I learned this a long time ago, to take your Bible and just open it up about halfway. And if you get to Job, you know you're pretty close. Or if you get a little far and you're over in Proverbs, just go backwards a little bit because Psalms are right in the middle. And this is Psalm 139. There are 24 verses there. So I would ask you to go there and walk through this beautiful Psalm with me. You know, this Psalm begins, it's written by David, King David, the greatest king, right? A man after God's own heart wonderful man. He wrote this psalm and it's considered the crown of all the psalms. Very poetically written, very theological, if you will, talking about who God is and how God knows us, but also speaking about who we are to God. And it's very beautiful. And so the first thing I'd like to say about this psalm is that David wrote it from a personal perspective, and he knew that God knew his heart. He knew that God knew his mind and everything about him, that when he walked, when he talked, whatever he do, he did, God knew him. So the God of creation knows all about you and loves you beyond what you can imagine. Verse one says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. By the time I think I get a grasp on who God is, I'll study something, I'll study something else, and I go, yeah, I think I, I've got God figured out a little bit. And then I realize, y'all, that I don't have him figured out at all. The more I study God, the more I realize there's so much more to know about God and God's love for us and provision for us. Matthew 10.30 is is a verse that kind of comes alongside 
who God is. It says that God knows the numbers of hairs on our own head. The God of creation, the God that created all the universes and everything that's in it, knows every hair on our head. Well, I was sharing this with my husband, Mike, and he said, well, you know, I don't have very many hairs on my head now. And I said, well, whatever you have, he knows about it. Friends, culture would tell you, okay, we'll buy that there's a God. You know, he set the earth in motion, but he's a distant God. He's sitting back and he's just watching everything happen. Not so. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. And in these first six verses, it tells us how close God really is to us. I love the way 1 Corinthians reinforce Psalm 139. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul writes this. Don't you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? And he goes on to say a little bit later in 1 Corinthians, in the sixth chapter, don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Yes, we were. Jesus Christ bought us with a price, a price of going to the cross for us, shedding his blood for us telling his disciples and us, I will send you an advocate, the Holy Spirit that will live in you and tell you all the things that I've told you and lead you in the way that you need to go. So with the Holy Spirit in us, God would know all about us, right? I love what these first verses say, these first six, and they really convict me in a few ways. David writes, You know me when I sit and when I rise. You know me and perceive my thoughts. Now that means when we go to work of a morning and sit at our desk or in school, God's already perceiving our thoughts. When we wake up first thing, God is with us. He knows our thoughts, our going out getting in our car, driving down the road. Boy, I started thinking about that one the other day because I'm on interstate a lot and I'm driving down the road and somebody will cut me off or I'll look up my rear view mirror and there's a big trucker right on my bumper. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Because he knows my thoughts. Sitting in my car by myself. Oops, ouch. Before a word is on my tongue, You know it completely. Again, has anybody ever said something and you were just almost ready to say something back and you held it back? Or you said something that later you wish you hadn't said and you wish you could get those words back. Well, God knows all of that. He knows everything about us from soup to nuts. So what do you think about that, church? Is that a positive thing? Or does it make you a little bit uncomfortable when you reflect on what you've done for the day or this past week? Do you feel a little guilt and shame about your sin? Because we all sin, right? 
We're not perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. I don't know about you, but when I go to scriptures like these, I feel like my big toes have been stepped on. And they need to be every now and then. But here's the thing. In reality, these scriptures, these first six verses, should be a great comfort to us. Why? Because no matter what we're up to, no matter what we're thinking, we know that he's got us, that he's thinking about us, that he knows our thoughts, and he loves us anyway. He loves us more than we can even imagine. But the truth of the matter is, we reach a point sometimes, and I've been guilty of this, overconfident. Things are going well, okay? So I'm making my way down the highway of life, and it's almost like God goes a little bit on the back burner. Okay, God, I'll call you if I need you, but right now, my purpose, I'm doing my thing, and I'm doing okay. So I get a little bit overconfident. And it reminds me of a story that I read, an illustrative story that I read the other day. There was this construction site, right? And there were a group of men on the construction site, and a young man came, he was hired, to be among them, and he was strong. He had a lot of muscles and built very well. So he started bragging about his strength and teasing some of the other workers that he could outdo them in anything that they needed to do on this site. And in particular, he started taunting and teasing one of the older workers that had been working for this company a long time. So after about a week, of day after day, him bragging about his strength and that he could outdo any of them, particularly the older worker. The older gentleman just got kind of fed up. So he went to this young man and he says, okay, son, let me tell you something. Put your money where your mouth is. I bet you that I can take something from this construction site and put it in this wheelbarrow and push this wheelbarrow over to site number two, our second site across the road. And I bet you can't come over there and push it back. To which the young construction worker said, oh, yes, I can. If you can push it over there, I can get it back. You're on. The bet is on. So the old man leans down puts his hands on the arms of the wheelbarrow, turns it around, looks at the young man and smiles and said, okay, get in. (laughs) Aren't we kind of like that, though, with God? We get overconfident and we say to ourselves, well, I can get from here to there and from there back to, I don't need God right now. A little bit overconfident. C.S. Lewis says it this way. The great thing to remember is that though our feelings come and they go, God's love for us does not. So when we get overconfident and think we don't need God, God continues to love us. Now let's pick up with verses 13 through 16 and see 
that God knows us better than we know ourselves because he's the one who created us. And I really love these verses, so I'm going to read them for us again. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. I love this passage, my friends, because it was created by David long before ultrasound, right? (laughs) I love it because it hits the nail on the head about how we're created and in truth who created us. When I was going through seminary, I had the opportunity to work as a resident chaplain at Baptist Hospital. And my area of assignment was OBGYN, the birthplace, and also their neonatal intensive care unit. And I did that actually for two years while I was in seminary. And so one of the things that I would do is I would go around with my census of all the babies that were born, and I would take a little white Bible into the room with the mom and dad, and I would put the baby's name in the Bible, and my name is the chaplain, and as I would give it to them, I would ask their permission to read a scripture. And so often I would read this one to let them know that their baby, that their precious baby was created by God. Here's some statistics. Did you know, at conception, 46 chromosomes with 30,000 genes combined to determine all of your physical characteristics, what gender you'll be, your facial features, your body type, color of hair, eyes, and skin. At 10 weeks, you can make sounds with your vocal cords. At 16 weeks, your fingerprints are fashioned. At 25 weeks, you can open your eyes and react to sudden noise. And at 30 weeks, you're exercising all your senses, vision, hearing, taste, and touch. You may even have sucked your thumb. God planned you created you and pursues you throughout your entire life. Now, I'm a woman, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother. And as a believer in God and Jesus Christ as my Savior, here is what I know. I know that life begins at conception. I know that because here it is in God's Word, right? Here it is, unequivocally. You and me were meant to be. You and me were meant to be. Ephesians 1, the fourth verse says it like this. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind 
He had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. That's from the message. And God has a purpose for you because you see, here's the thing. If God knows all about you, your inside, your out, your goings, your coming, what you're going to say before you say it and all that, and he created you even before you were John or Susan or Mary or Bill, he knew who you were going to be and had plans for your life. He has a purpose for you. And he's not going to leave you alone to accomplish it. He's going to be right there to help you through. Hear what Ephesians 2.10 says about God's purpose. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, let me share this with you. It's a piece of my story. I'm a grandmother now, and I was in corporate America for about 30 years, and a church member in another church, a Methodist church, worked, did different things, did vacation Bible school, some other committee things, and so forth, and in my late 40s, God started speaking to me. You might say, how? How, Pastor Faye? How did God start speaking to you? Well, I started seeing scriptures that would just jump off the page to me in connection to my Bible study. And they related to being called out to be in ministry. That was number one. Then I actually had people, trusted Christians, who would come to me and say, Faye, have you ever thought? about going into the ministry. Well, no, I discounted that. And then circumstances. I found myself as lay leader to my pastor and had opportunities to come alongside people in a semi-pastoral role. I became a lay speaker, a lay preacher. And one thing led to another. And then I was on a retreat down in Savannah. And I kid you not, the speaker sent us out with some scripture, and God spoke to me and told me to go into these woods that were next to little Ebenezer Lutheran Church, I think it was, in North Savannah. And when I went out there, there was a pulpit in the woods with a power source, like a drop cord. And it was like God spoke to me and said, Faye, I want you to be a pastor. I will provide. I will be your power source. I will make sure that you can do what you need to do. Well, I had been running from it. Running from it for three years. But God didn't let up. He continued to show me here and there that he was calling me to do this. Now, I'm not suggesting God's calling you to ministry or to necessarily to teach or whatever. What I'm sharing with you is that God has a purpose for you. Whether you're in corporate America, there are opportunities for you to glorify his name 
and stand out as a Christian. I once heard, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Are you glorifying his name? Are you sharing the good news with those that you're around? Oh, I'd be scared. I can't do that. That's for preachers to do. No, it's not. It's for every single one of us to do in our own way with our own story. What has God done for you? Maybe you're sitting out there today and you're feeling unworthy. I hope the scripture that you heard in these verses from 13 through 16 reminds you that you are God's workmanship. He didn't create junk. He planned you before you were really ever conceived. And he has a purpose for you. I started out this message by talking about Clarence and Larry, who are these great artisans who build this beautiful furniture for a purpose. Well, I love a license plate that Clarence has in his shop, and I think we have it to show to you up on the screens now. Can we see that? He has it nailed up, and it says, God put it all together. God put it all together, and that includes us too. God made us, created us, put every part of us together. Now, he did not do it as a distant God. He didn't create the universes, plural, the stars and the moons and our world and all of us, and then just step back. That's what culture would have you believe, that we have a distant God. There is an ultimate creator, but he's a distant God, and he's not up close and personal. But that's just not true. He's very close. I know that from personal experiences throughout my life. If you haven't had that experience, you're missing out. If you have then you can share that with others of what he means. But we have free will. We have the free will to say yes to God. Yes, Lord, you have searched me. You have known me. You know who I am. You know all about me. And we can ask him in our prayer life that what he would have us do next in our lives. And I think that there are seasons of our lives, different purposes he has for us in the different chapters of our lives. But we have to be open to it, open to what he would want us to do. Now, I would ask you, how are you going to respond to these truths? The truths that he knows your every move, he knows what you're thinking, what you're going to say, what you're going to do before you do it. Well, before you answer that, let's hear how David initially responded. Let's go back to Psalm 139 and look at what David said initially toward the end of that psalm, verses 17 through 22. I love verses 17 and 18 by David because they're comforting. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. 
were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Isn't that comforting to know that when you wake up in the morning, there God is. He's ready to help you throughout your day. But then things dip down a little bit with David. Beginning with verse 19, he says this, If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred from them. I count them my enemies. Friends, here's a passage you wouldn't find on a coffee cup in a Christian store, right? No. But yet, what we're seeing is King David, wonderful King David, was human. He was a sinner too. And to give him a little bit of a break, I think maybe, just maybe, he was trying to stand up for God too because he knew God loved him. And it made him mad that somebody could do evil, say evil, take God's name in vain even. But what he had to come to terms with is that he's not a judge. And you know what? You and I aren't either. We can't judge others. We can pray for them. And we can be an example of God to them. We can forgive. And forgive doesn't mean that what we're forgiving was the right thing for them to do to us. It doesn't mean that. And to forgive is hard. Somebody once told me one time that holding hatred inside is like drinking poison and hoping the other person's going to die. We have to turn it loose. Now, some of you out there have been hurt. Maybe been hurt from childhood. Maybe your own parents told you you were unworthy, that if you didn't do this or that, you were worthless. Maybe you were in a marriage or are in a marriage that you're belittled. Maybe you just have a a low self-worth for a myriad of reasons. I pray and I hope that this particular scripture today will affirm to you that you are worthy, that you are beautifully created and made. God loves you and God has a purpose for you. He wants you to share your story. He wants you to be after his will in the world, however that might turn out. Know that. Claim it. Because it's God's truth. Life is hard. But when we know we don't travel this journey alone, that we've got him beside us, behind us, even in front of us, leading the way, that's a great comfort. And that whatever purpose he has for us, He's going to be there to help us accomplish it. 
David comes to terms with that in the last two verses, 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. What a beautiful prayer for us to pray. When we pray and when we stray, I'm reminded of Romans 8, beginning with the 36th, 37th verse. There's nothing that can separate us from God's love. Nothing. He created us, and he has a purpose for us. We'll have prayer warriors at the end of the service that will pray with you over any issue that you may have for yourself or a family or a friend. If you've got a deeper issue, please call me or one of the pastors, we have resources and we can help. Would you pray with me now? Gracious God, we come before you this morning and the truth of your word applies to us today just as it did 2,000 years ago. Reassure us that we belong to you. You know us inside and out. You create us, created us. We are wonderfully, fearfully beautifully made, and that you have a purpose for us. Help us to see what that is, how we can glorify you, how we can make disciples for the transformation of the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.